Anita. Hello, Mark. I'm very well, Great. thank you, on this wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday, and we were just discussing Dr. Hook. We were. Sylvia, Sylvia's mother said three One more minutes. One of my favourite bands, Dr. Hook. <laughs> fun fact. Go. Nothing to fun do with this Canadian succession, but fun fact. <laughs> That's right. So welcome, everyone. Estate and succession mastery again. And uh, today, uh, today we're going to talk about something which is uh, really important and, and often... Um, Look, it would be fair to say that when we're having conversations with people about estate and succession planning, you know, on many occasions, you know, when it comes to the role of uh, executor, I mean, it's all very well for us to sit here and decide who, who, <laughs> who we'd like to be executors of our estate without actually giving too much consideration to how much work they're going to have to uh, potentially go through. And uh, to those of you that are watching that have been executors, uh, you'll understand the workload involved, but um, uh, we've just got a whole lot of uh, issues in regard to what the roles and responsibilities of executors are. Having said that, I think I can safely say right off the top, don't ever use uh, a public trustee or someone like that. Use humans, use individuals. You can always seek legal advice if you're their executive or estate and the estate will pay for that advice and, uh, and so on. But Rather than me give all the answers, you're the one who's smart, Juanita. So, <laughs> how about you fire away in regard to well, I, the, the it, responsibilities? It, yeah, it occurred to me that we've been talking often about executors and trustees, and just assuming that people know the nitty gritty of what that actually involves, and that's probably a wrong assumption to make. So, I thought it'd be worthwhile going into a bit of a deeper dive as to what executors and, and trustees do. Um, so usually when someone passes away, if they have a will in place, they'll appoint someone as their executor and trustee. And it's usually the same person. There's a slight difference in those two roles, which I'll explain. Um, the role of the executor in real layman's terms is to identify and collect the assets and liabilities of the deceased and uh, pay the debts. And then once all that's done, then they hold the assets on behalf of the beneficiaries and they, they they move into a trustee role and then at that time their their main role is to distribute the assets to those beneficiaries pursuant to what the will says so it's sort of a three-step process collecting the assets paying off the debts and then carrying out the deceased wishes so okay. as you see already a very very important role um yeah. often more often than not the same person but not always yeah yeah, it's, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, executives of estates, uh, I've always, and I think I've mentioned this before, I always think it's uh, worthwhile to have two people as executives, uh, two people at least, even if you're leaving your spouse as one, there should be someone else there. And and I think that helps for a number of reasons. The first one is uh, you can have good cop, bad cop, uh, and that is if you do have a child who's likely to put pressure on mum, for example, if mum's left behind and she's the executor of the state, the estate, and uh, you've got a child that's uh, manipulative of, uh, of the mother or whatever, that puts a whole lot of pressure on, on her. So I think it's always good to have someone else who can come in and uh, uh, say no and, uh, and take, take the blame so that mum's not seen as the bad person in that situation. And uh, second reason it's a good idea to have uh, two people is one, uh, one, I think it's always a good idea to have someone who has uh, financial mouse uh, who, who's uh, you know going to be good from a, a clinical 
strategic, structural and financial point of view. And you need to have someone who actually has empathy in regard to the uh, children uh, that are going to be involved so that all decisions aren't purely made on facts and finances. Uh, you know, if, if Johnny needs some help, you need someone there who's empathetic and understands what the parents' wishes may have been to make sure that uh, those uh, those needs and requirements are taken care of as well. So is that how you feel about the role? Absolutely. Yeah, very great points. And of course, if you, you are able to have, you're able to have up to four, four or more, but if you only have four, they're the only people that get named on a probate, um, executors. So we would um, always recommend that you have either more than one, so two, you know, three off. We've spoken about this before. The more you have, the, the trickier it can get, but you've got to balance family requirements. Um, if you are only nominating one person, you should always have a backup. So if something happens to that person, there is a backup and you don't have to trot yeah. off and do another will or have no executor. Yeah. Hey, can I can I just jump in here, Juanita, and, and I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Okay. This question. <laughs> this question. Probate. Uh, probate is just one of those words that... Um, you know, it's just thrown out all the time. You know, we'll do this when probate is declared yeah. or, you know, and I, I would back that 90%, 95% of the population has actually no idea what probate yeah. is does, yeah. and how you achieve it. So can you just give a, a, a summary on what it means? Yeah, absolutely. So a grant of probate is actually a document uh, and it's, a, um, it's not required for every estate, it's required for some. And what it involves is applying to the court registry. You don't have to try off and appear before a judge. You apply to the court registry to affirm that this is the last will of the deceased and you are the true executor of this estate. Uh, there's some forms that need to be filled out and uh, lodged at the court registry along with the death certificate and the will. And then the court registrar will uh, look at all that documentation and if he or she is happy with that, then issue you back a grant of probate which is the will with a fancy cover. And that yep. document is what, um, what you may be required to use. And when, the, when you need a grant of probate is if certain uh, entities like banks or superannuation trustees uh, require you give them that document, the grant of probate, before they release the funds to you. So that will happen, for example, if a bank holds more than, say, $20,000, $30,000, they won't release those funds to you that belong to the deceased until you give them that grant of probate. And basically they're covering their um, backside, shall we say, so they we they're releasing the funds to the right people. So it's a risk mitigation exercise, I guess. So if someone, if the bank or a super trustee says to you when you're an executor, we're not going to give you these funds until you go get a grant of probate, then that's the process. You trot off... Uh, get your lawyer to help fill out the forms, lodge it at the court registry, and they'll hand you back the grant of probate. Okay, so it's effectively a validation that you're actually the trustee uh, and you can act on behalf of the estate. So it's, uh, yes. that, that's kind of what it is. That's so exactly my right. Friend, my friend will be very happy with that explanation. Thank you. Yes, he is. Uh, <laughs> and, and if in small estates where there's not that, um, that amount of money or... Um, shares etc then obviously the risk is less and so the banks won't require you to get a graduate probate they're more comfortable with releasing the funds to you without that sort of double tick yeah okay 
Okay, well, thank you for that. So uh, let's let's go back to the role of the executor, and uh, yeah. you've got a great doc document here in regard to administrative duties and uh, duties of the duties of the executor, duties of mm -hmm. trustees, and and so on. So, do you just want to go through uh, each of those yeah. and uh, yeah, and just talk about what their responsibilities are? Yeah, I often get a phone call from um, the family member of someone that's passed away and, and say, you know, such and such has passed away. What do I do? And the first thing that I like to say um, to that question is you don't need to race off and do administrative duties. The first thing to do is look after the family to grieve, to arrange the funeral. So that's the first thing to know. There's, nothing's going to um, fall apart, uh, you know, until you, without you just concentrating on those immediate things first. So. Um, the executor, normally the family or friends of the deceased uh, will organise the funeral. However, if there is none or no one wants to, then that duty falls back on the executor. So the executor will have that final say and responsibility to organise uh, a funeral. It's often um, preferred or recommended to, to try and get a copy of the will as soon as possible. And the reason being is that in that will, there may be certain directions or wishes that the deceased person left. Um, or as we've spoken about before, Mark, sometimes there'll be separate documents um, that such as that you work through with your clients that set out what people might wish their funeral service to look like or what, you know, what their desires are there. So that's, that's an important first step too, to get a hold of the will or that sort of documentation so you can carry out those wishes. Okay. Uh, obviously, it's um, a good idea to notify all the relevant people of the deceased passing, um, family members, etc., people that may wish to attend the funeral. Um, this isn't a legal requirement, so uh, you know an executor doesn't have a list of people that they must tick off and notify. Um, it's interesting to know, though, that down the track, anyone who's named in a will certainly is entitled to a copy of it. So you might you might want to let them know because uh, they'll probably find out down the track if you don't. So you certainly can't be um, sneaky about that. And on that note, obviously, if there's a will that lists a number of people um, that are beneficiaries uh, or guardians or, you know, similar roles, it's the executor's duty to identify them. So normally the executor will know who all those people are but there may be situations where they don't. So it's it's the duty of the executor to look at that document, work out who everyone is, who's who in the zoo, and then if they need to locate and identify the beneficiaries or the people, then then do do so and make do whatever uh, inquiries they need to find those people. Can I can I just ask a question here, Juanita, and I, and I guess th this is the difference between human beings being executors and corporations being executors. That'd be fine because. You know, what you're talking about here is knowing who to notify of the death, uh, you know, identifying beneficiaries and assets and all that sort of stuff. If if um, if these are humans who are known to the uh, uh, to the deceased, that's going to be a much simpler job than some corporation uh, trying to ferret their way through and find out all that information and the time and cost in, in doing that, obviously, is going to be very significant. So, uh, you know, once again, yeah. across against using... Uh, corporations for uh, executive roles yeah not only will it be simpler but i think you hit the nail on the head that it will be less expensive so if a uh, a corporate trustee needs to make extensive inquiries because they don't know who anyone is 
then the funds or the cost of those inquiries come out of the estate. So there's less less to share between the beneficiaries. Yep. Um, then probably the okay. next step that the executor needs to do is to identify the assets and liabilities that belong to the deceased. Um, in an ideal world, there'll be a, a, already a, a file with, with, the, with listing those sort of things, but um, or advice, <laughs> might need to be, yeah, advice might need to be obtained from the deceased person's lawyer or accountant or financial planner or advisors such as yourself, Mark. So um, in order to administer the estate, that's the very next step. You'll need to identify what, what did the deceased own? So we're talking property, bank accounts, what super um, did they have? Did they have any life insurance? Did they have any shares? Um, did they have any cows? Did they have any nice imported pieces of jewellery? And then on the flip side, what, what debts did they have? Did they have a credit card that needs to be paid off? Uh, were there any loans that they owed? Um, yeah. There's, uh, there's a couple of, yeah. Yeah, just a couple of questions come up here. So um, uh, when someone dies, let's say, and they've been doing business overseas, uh, the chance of hunting down, without good records, the chance of hunting down bank accounts, assets and so on held overseas uh, is obviously going to be very high, isn't it? And um, and the second point you raised is, uh, you know, gathering all the information in regard to assets and, and so on, and that's not counting assets and trusts and superannuation funds necessarily. Paying off the debts of the deceased, that's actually the first task of an executor, isn't it, is to... Um, uh, pay off the debts. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, you need to collect the assets first so you have cash, etc., to pay the debts. But then, <laughs> yeah, then the next task certainly is um, paying any liabilities. So before any distributions are made or any gifts are made pursuant to the will, those liabilities have to be paid. So the credit card needs to be paid off. Um, if there's any uh, loans, like we said, um, for vehicles, that they need to be paid, that sort of thing, personal loans. So there could be utility bills. There might be outstanding telephone bills or electricity bills. Um, a big one, of course, is normally the funeral expense. And probably just a, a tip on that is that uh, banks will 99.9% allow the deceased's bank account to be used for that one purpose. So if you're an executor and you take the invoice that you got from the funeral director to the bank, mm. the bank will pay that invoice directly out of those funds from the deceased. So that's very helpful because often that invoice can be, you know, closer to $10,000 than not um, in some yep. circumstances. So um, that is the first thing that's usually paid. And, and luckily it can come out of the bank account without, um, without, a lot of trouble. Yeah. Obviously, you and, and, I mean, that's a, <laughs> and I guess that's the reality, isn't it? A, a, a standard funeral these days is probably about ten thousand dollars, isn't it? With uh, yeah, close to funeral directors and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how thirsty your friends get, I guess afterwards. So that yeah, can make yeah. a difference. But the um, so so the question here is, uh, uh, when you say you pay off the deceased, what what happens uh, the deceased uh, debts? What what happens if Per chance the executor isn't aware of debts and they're not disclosed until some time later and uh, so the executor let's say it's a simple estate and the executor's paid out the money to the to the spouse or the spouse and the kids or whatever distributed mm -hmm. the assets and then uh, somebody turns up and says hey by the way you know you owe me a hundred thousand dollars oh sorry the deceased owed me a hundred thousand uh, dollars 
Mm. What what happens then? What happens. Uh, so this is why um, executives are normally advised a couple of things as part of the process. One, that they, uh, in most circumstances, they'll advertise. You might see a little uh, a little ad in the paper sometimes that um, such and such intends to apply for a probate or distribute the estate. So if there are any creditors out there, um, please come and let me know so I can attend to your liabilities. And by placing that ad, it provides some protection to the executor if that eventuates down the track. Um, if you don't do that sort of ad, it can open up your um, your exposure a little bit. Uh, also, it's usually advised not to distribute an estate before six months because people have six months in which they can contest the will. Uh, so if you were to go and uh, distribute all the assets before six months are up, or particularly if you've got notice that there may be a claim, then you can be personally liable. So. Um, there are steps to be taken to protect yourself in your capacity as executor in those situations and that you should follow so you don't end up in that situation. Um, in the, the example that you just gave, Mark, the poor beneficiary or the poor creditor, perhaps, that um, the money's all been distributed, they can actually follow that through and, and try to get that paid, but it's not as easy as it sounds practically, obviously. Sure, especially if it's been... Uh... Uh, been, if it's been spent, that uh, that would create a raft of raft of problems. But no, that that's interesting, and thank you for uh, thank you for that. So, um, uh, what else is it important that the executive? Yeah, does? so the yeah the executive's got an obligation to keep good records. Uh, must keep details of all their transactions and money in and money out, and uh, the all the dealings of the estate and the assets and liabilities. So, good records are very important, um, and. Probably the second last step before the assets are distributed is that a estate tax return must be prepared. So usually uh, an, an accountant would be engaged for that. Uh, sometimes the deceased hasn't lodged tax returns, so it may be that tax returns have to be caught up or the period from the date the person died till the 30th of June might be a final tax return and then an estate tax return after that. So. That's almost the second last thing to be done and the last bill to be paid. And then after right. that, the estate can be distributed uh, pursuant to the will to the beneficiaries. So you can sort of pick okay. the different stages that, yeah. that executor goes through in that administration. So so uh, the interesting thing coming out of all of this is uh, there's no rush, there's no panic. Um, no. You know, you don't have to take action the day after somebody dies. If you're the executor, you don't have to rush up there and start... Uh, doing your job so to speak it's uh like my flying training the guy said if the engine stops don't panic take a deep breath and just just be calm for a moment before you decide what you before you decide what to do and i, and I get this kind of the same here in some way is just go to the yeah. funeral you know, grieve do what yes. uh, you know just uh, let everyone grieve and, and get through it and, and effectively uh uh, you know, do what you need to do in regard to finding, uh, you know, researching and un understanding who the beneficiaries are, what the assets are and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, but effectively, uh, if anyone's a beneficiary, they should just cool their jets until six yeah. months are up if someone's sort of desperate for and thinking yeah. they're going to get a, a benefit out of the estate, that you really can't do anything for six months anyway, which is... Uh, yeah. Which is a good thing, but so someone can actually contest an estate up to five months and uh, twenty nine days or whatever yeah. um, after death they can they can put in a claim then. 
Yep. Yes, they can okay. give notice that they intend to anytime within six months. So, yes, often we will see that happen on five months and 29 days because um, a decision has to be made. And so, you know, it'll be made yeah. then. Then they have a further three months after that to actually lodge their claim with the court. So that that's another, right. that takes it to a nine-month period um, where they they actually have to do the deed, I suppose. Um, so that's yeah. why the executor is advised to wait that time. Um, I, I probably would add that um, the ex an executor can do everything themselves, <coughs> excuse me, or they can engage a solicitor to help them with everything. And then you have some executors that feel they can do bits and pieces. So you, f you might yeah. feel that you can deal with the bank um, confidently, but you need help transferring the title to a property. So you can engage a solicitor sure. to help you with bits and pieces uh, or you can do it all yourself. There's no right or wrong. It's just what you're comfortable with and what you're um, you're proficient in doing, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's um, good, advi good advice. So, sorry. We, yeah, on. we mentioned before um, briefly about um, the death certificate and that's one of the practical things that happens um, early in the piece. So uh, usually after a funeral takes place, the funeral director will be responsible for some paperwork and will receive the official death certificate from birth registry of birth, deaths and marriages, and they will pass that on to the, um, the appropriate person, usually the executor or it could be a family friend. And that death certificate is very important, particularly if a grant of probate is required, as we spoke about before. Um, so, again, that process usually takes a few weeks, so there's nothing much that can be done until that time anyway. So another... Uh, another reason that we said before, there's no need to rush off and, and um, get stressed about paperwork and administrative things. Um, what, a, what an executive also has to do uh, is one of two things. If they're obviously calling in the assets and, and receiving funds from the deceased bank account and superannuation account, they need to keep it somewhere. So there's two options. The executor can either go to the bank and open a new bank account, which will say Mark Westcott is executor for the estate of Joe Bloggs and all the money yep. will be held in there. Or if you have a solicitor helping you, then this, the money can be held in the solicitor's trust account. So we, we, for example, for many executors, collect that money in and it's held in our trust account and therefore a new bank account doesn't need to be opened. But certainly cannot be kept in your own individual bank account and cannot be put on against the mortgage or anything like that. It has to be totally separate and accounted for separately. Yeah. Very important. So, yeah, I, think I can imagine why. Um, Juanita, one of the interesting things, and, and you're talking here about, uh, you know, it's easy It's easy to have these conversations assuming that when someone dies, they've just got a uh, bank account with a whole lot of cash in it and some insurance and some superannuation. But, I mean, the... the, the Practical reality is, uh, for example, it could be a grazier and they're the sole owner of uh, three or four grazing properties um, yes. in their name, not in a trust, not in a company, not in anything. And um, st straight away, if you've got this six-month deferral period for waiting for, for the vultures to line up and contest the will uh, and uh, and so on, uh, what's the role of the executor uh in, in a business, so let's just say it's not a grazing company, but it's a manufacturing business or something like that. The executor effectively is the owner, the custodian, aren't they, of the whole uh, estate, the business, the yes. 
the assets in in every form, not just in cash, but in. Uh, yes. So they actually then control the uh, uh, that that business. Is that right? And is that is that Absolutely, part of the role? Yeah. So they act effectively, as you said, a custodian or a trustee. So um, they may hold property on trust uh, until it's distributed or, or passed on or sold. Uh, or in the case of a business, it's a great example. So someone needs to run the business. So the ultimate. Um, the ultimate control lies with that executor. Obviously, there'll be people within the business that keep it running, but um, yes, mm. and often an executor, which is a good point, Mark, will be required to do tasks that are a bit more complicated, like sell a business. So keeping a business yep. running until a, a, a business is sold and go through that process. Um, mm. Again, property. So an executor can make a final decision uh, unless it's gifted to a specific person, but... Uh, executive may need to decide whether a property is transferred to a beneficiary or sold and the cash is given. So there's some important business decisions um, or financial decisions to be had sometimes. Yeah, look, that, uh, what raised this uh, this issue was a, a client I spoke to during the week. They've got a portfolio of uh, rental properties, for example, and, and the husband was having a conversation with me and he said, look, whatever happened, you know, they've got a... a, a half a dozen children four five six children and uh and he said look all these assets uh you know they all have debts against them and uh and he said what what happens if i die at the wrong time in the property in the property side is there ever a right it? time i don't know I said, i'm not sure when when dying at the right time uh, happens but but i mean his point was uh, what if he dies and everyone everyone's lining up saying okay well let's cash this all in take our share and you know put it the testamentary trust which uh, you guys are arranging for them and so on but uh what if you know all the all the kids are lining up because they're just young kids and they're saying you know can we just cash it in we just want cash in our trust account not properties and debts and and all that sort of stuff is it and, and as long as the executor understood that the uh the wishes of the deceased were that you know whatever you do uh you know can you wait till at least there's another rise in the property cycle before you mm. start cashing all these things in if if an executive gets pressure from beneficiaries i mean who's whose ultimate responsibility is it the executor so the, yeah the executor has the ultimate decision making power and responsibility um obviously uh well not obviously but a good executor will take into account the wishes of the beneficiaries and and have here we go. Here's that word again: communication. Have that communication. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we had to throw it in. 26 Communication. What an idea. Because um, you, you definitely don't want to lumber someone with a property that they just don't want to or can't manage in the future. So it's important to to take into account those wishes. However, the executor has the ultimate responsibility and also have a responsibility to maximise the estate as much as they can. So um, if the market is really, 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 really bad and there is an expectation that it will rise, then a sensible executor um, and a prudent executor would wait until that time. Um, but also balancing that with waiting for, a, you know, waiting for the sake of nothing, I guess. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's judging every case on its merits so the same thing applies to share portfolios etc so sure. um, and when is the right the, time I mean, I yeah getting the right advice getting the right tax advice getting the right financial advice and and deciding whether to sell or to retain um, but that's obviously a big decision so uh, something that the right uh, 
hopefully the deceased has given some wishes, um, the right advice is obtained and the beneficiary's wishes are also taken into account. Okay, just a quick question here. Uh, some people also question uh, how much uh, is uh, having executors going to cost me if I have two? Is it going to double the bill? What's a standard thing for remuneration of uh, executors? Yeah, so executors can um, are entitled to claim commission for their pains and troubles, which is either done by a application to the court registry or if all the beneficiaries agree, it can be done that way. To be honest, we rarely see it unless there is um, a really big estate with lots of complexities uh, or perhaps professional executors um, doing those roles. Often it's family members and usually there's no payment um, required or it's not pursued by the, by the executors, but it certainly is available should they wish to pursue it. Um, another thing we sometimes see is giving a gift in a will. So I might say in my will, um, Mark, you're the executor, and I leave $5,000 to Mark um, on the proviso that he's my executor. However, if he, is he if he renounces, he doesn't get that gift. And so that's just my way of saying thank you. So um, that's also very, um, well, not very common, but it's not unusual. Can I have the pot plant behind you as well? <laughs> you can't have you promise to water it. <laughs> Do you have a <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Look, Juanita, that, uh, you know, I can't believe how fast that half an hour goes because that was actually very interesting. You know, it, uh, a lot of people do ask questions in regard to what is the role of the executor, how are they remunerated uh, and self-remunerated and, um, and uh, you know, how does the process work? And you've covered all those today. So thanks, Juanita. It's yeah. been uh, very interesting. And I hope all those watching, it's, uh, it's allowed yeah. them to uh, have some more insight into that, especially in regard to the granting of probate for my friend. So thank, thank you for that. Friend. Oh, my friend, that's right. <laughs> okay, we'll see you all next week. Thanks again, Juanita. It's great Thank you. Talk. See you, Mark. Bye. See everybody. Bye.